The epistle is from James chapter 1. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For freedom Christ has set us free. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today I'd like to address something that all people must face, and that is temptation. Temptation is when we are lured and enticed to do something that is wrong. And where does temptation come from? It doesn't come from God. James says in our reading, God tempts no one. Instead, as he says, temptation is when each person is lured and enticed by his own desires. And this makes sense. If you don't have a desire for something, how can you really be tempted? For example, some people don't like eating sweet things, and so forgoing dessert for them is not difficult. They have no strong desire for it. Likewise, with more serious matters, some have an intense desire for money, others less so. Some have an intense desire to get their own way, Others are more agreeable. What tempts us is closely linked to our desires. What the Bible teaches that is to be done when our, when our desires drag us into temptation is revealed very early on. We see this already in Genesis with Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve's sons. Cain was stirred up with a powerful desire and his desire was to kill his brother Abel. And Cain is told, sin is crouching at the door you must rule over it. The picture that is given here is that either desires rule over us or we rule over our desires. Either we are slaves to our desires, forced to obey what our desires command, or we are free. And if we are free, then we are not forced to obey whatever our desires tell us. We can tell them that, no, we're not going to obey you. There are, there are a couple of passages that speak like this. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, 
for freedom, Christ has set you free. The goal of Jesus' work as the Christ is to set us free. Jesus speaks this way also in John chapter 8. He says, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin in the sense that sin makes its demand. And when we commit sin, we're obeying those commands. Whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, then you will be free indeed. Jesus reveals something very important about our slavery or freedom with regard to our desires. The only way that we can be set free is by the Son of God setting us free. We cannot free ourselves. The chains are just too strong. And if we imagine that we have freed ourselves, we are simply deceiving ourselves. Only the Son sets you free. But, as Jesus says, if the Son does set you free, then you really are free. Jesus reveals here some very good news. The word gospel means good news. And slaves who have been kicked around by their masters are happy to hear that they are free. They no longer have to listen to those old masters. And what's more is that we aren't just set free to now go about our business as though we have to find our own way in this world. No, we have been set free to become sons of God. We're given Jesus' status. We're brought into the house of God, which we may live in forever. We are baptized into Jesus. We've become one with him. And Jesus, as you know, is Lord over everything. He sits at the right hand of God. He is over every power and authority and demand and desire. He is free. He is Lord. And so are you when you believe in him. This is the gospel that all of us Christians have been given. It says something new about us. For freedom, Christ has set you free, and you are free from some amazing things. You are free from death. You are free from hell. You are free from the law, which Christ has fulfilled for you. You are free from the demands of your desires. By the Holy Spirit who is within you, you can say, No, I'm not going to obey you as though you were my master and I were your slave. Faith in this gospel is truly wonder-working. It goes way beyond moving mountains. Moving mountains is nothing compared to the lordship that is ours through faith in Christ. We, together with Christ, triumph over all evil. We triumph because Jesus is King and God, and He's on your side, and you, through faith in Him, are on His side. And everything's going to turn out well, even if you should have to pass through fire, or you should have to pass through the valley of the shadow of death. 
Jesus is just that great of a king. And your faith in him is powerful because he is powerful. But although faith is so powerful, it is at the same time easily damaged and lost. And this is where temptation comes in. This is always how God's enemies attack. They attack our faith with deception and lies. God's enemies cannot attack Christ directly. They could never overcome him. So the only power that God's enemies have is to deceive and tell lies in the hopes that we will give up on the truth and believe the lies instead. This is how our faith is easily damaged and lost. We believe the lies instead of believing the truth. I'll give you a very straightforward example that I'm sure you've all experienced. Let's say a desire comes along and says, do this. And hopefully you know and hopefully you remember from the gospel that you are not a slave. You are free. You can say to that desire, no, I won't obey you. But let's say your desire puts up a fight and says, I'm stronger than you. And you probably heard the saying, a good lie always contains a bit of truth. Goliath was stronger than David, was he not? So it may be here too. Your desires may very well be stronger than you. They aren't stronger than Jesus. They aren't stronger than the Holy Spirit. The deception here is that you are just too weak for the temptation. Just look at you, after all. And so you might as well give in. I've been fooled by this simple tactic. And there are countless more. And they are extremely subtle. They can be extremely subtle and convincing. The Apostle Paul himself admits to being deceived repeatedly in Romans chapter 7 as he fought against temptation. There seems to be no end to God's enemies lying and unfortunately our flesh likes to be deceived. And being deceived is the way that our faith is so easily damaged and lost. We put back on the chains from which Christ has set us free. What, we should, what should we do if we find ourselves in this sad but very common situation? The most important thing is that you don't go on believing in lies. And saying that you should not go on believing in lies is a lot easier than actually doing it. Because the very thing that God's enemies want is for you to continue on in lies. And lies also can look a whole lot more attractive than the truth. Remember Adam and Eve. Hiding in the bushes seemed a whole lot safer and wiser to them than exposing themselves before the truth. The good thing about the truth, though, is that the truth is also good news. 
If the truth were that God hates you because you've blown it, I would want to hide from that truth too. But that's not the truth. The truth is the good news that Jesus is the Savior of sinners. The good work that Jesus has done as King is for your salvation. His work does not need your cooperation or involvement. Jesus' work is already complete and perfect and he gives it to you as a gift. And the way that he gives it to you is by speaking it to you so that you may believe it. Believe this good news and it's yours. And then don't forget what we've talked about already today. What we've talked about is so easy to lose sight of, especially in the midst of temptation. And that is, you are not a slave. You have been purchased and redeemed. You have the Holy Spirit. You don't have to obey your desires, demands, as though you were its slave. You are free. For freedom, Christ has set you free. In Christ, you are lords over all evil powers. They cannot do what they want to do to you. Accordingly, and this is important too, we can have an assertive posture toward desires and temptations instead of having a posture of weak resignation. I know well, again, by personal experience, the whimpering prayer, I wish these desires would go away from me. I wish they'd leave me alone. And behind that whimper is the fear that my desires are too strong for me. There's despair behind that whimper, and despair is the opposite of faith. Of course you're too weak to conquer all your desires. But that's not what we as Christians believe in. We do not believe that we are all alone and that it's all up to us. You're not alone. Jesus is with you. You are weak, but he is strong. Therefore, you can be assertive. You can see this assertive posture toward temptation in our epistle reading from James. He says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. He doesn't say, cursed is the man who has been tempted. He, said, he says, blessed is that man. A few verses earlier, he speaks even more clearly about this assertive, confident posture. He says, Consider it all joy, my brothers, when temptations of various kinds fall all around you. Consider it all joy when temptations fall all around you. Why? James answers, The testing of your faith produces endurance. The testing of that faith that you have in Jesus as the king produces endurance. You have been set free. You can try it out. Refusing to do evil is the smashing of evil. It is wonderful and it is glorious. We can learn by experience that we can endure temptation. We don't always have to sin. We don't have to obey. 
That is when we are beginning to enter into that glorious liberty of the sons of God that is spoken about in Romans chapter 8. That is when we are embracing the implanted word so that we become a kind of first fruits of God's creatures, as James says in our reading. It is better to smash evil than to cower in fear against it as though it were invincible, as though it were more powerful than Jesus. It's not. Now, in our fight against our desires and against temptation, might we get bloody noses and stumble and fall? Perhaps. What of it? In that case, we return to the gospel. We return to the all-conquering truth that Jesus is King and Lord over all. Jesus is on the march, and evil is doomed. As light scatters the darkness, so the light of Christ obliterates the shadow of evil wherever it might be. You are on the winning side, and that is good news. Please stand. For freedom, Christ has set you free. The peace of God that transcends all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.